The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. Happy, happy holidays. Uh, the biggest holidays are actually over now, which Day means it's time now. for the funnest holidays. World Junior Championships. Well, apparently they started t- today, and I unfortunately didn't see any of them completely uh, dropping the ball on that one. Uh, shame, 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 I know. Shame, I feel I feel shame. shame I feel shame. shame. I do. Uh, one, I, I did get a Christmas gift in, in the fact that the, we all know who my favorite goaltender is and the fact that he's top of the league, you know, I don't know about favorite goaltender, but favorite home team goaltender and he's top of the league so nice little christmas bonus there (laughs) (laughs) now if now if he can only make it the rest of the season (laughs) it would be nice to see a end-to-end run by anyone in the bruins at the top of their position um i thought we were going to see that from a certain goaltender trade, a certain defenseman traded to the team last year, but mm, he sort of had a quiet month and a half. Um, you know, though, I it, it quiet, yes, just because he's not, you know, pouring points into the net. But defensively, it's not like he's fallen off off the face of the earth. He did have a couple of weeks where he was taking dumb penalties. Mm, okay. Not a lot of them, but they were dumb. Okay. That said, if I'm going to make a complaint about the Boston Bruins, and I am. Oh, okay. It's going to be the front office. <laughs> Why? Because the Boston Bruins, just before Christmas, you know, when no one is paying attention to anything except for their holiday shopping, their holiday plans, and all of the drama that's going to surround their family, they released the results of their careful, independent investigation into Mitch Miller signing. Please tell me you did air quotes when you said independent. Independently paid for by them to investigate them, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but anytime you're going to call it independent and then pay for it. um... Well, given the given the abject whitewash of this grotesque and disease spreading face wash to every single minority or neurodivergent fan of the Boston Bruins. um, Yeah, um, there's not a lot of words that we can use on this show that would actually clearly communicate the level of disgust that I and others have for this one. Well, failure to properly vet toxic prospect. Um, when your hiring practices were set in 1941 and you haven't changed them since these things are going to happen. And it's probably on purpose. Cause I, I, I find it intriguing that, I don't know. And and I apologize. I just stepped all over you. My apologies. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm um, ju- no, I'm just, I'm flustered because it says uh, 
they they instead provided specific recommendations to be implemented. And I'm thinking you you skipped over the first one. Let's go right there. Specific recommendations. So there's no teeth in the report. There's no teeth in the investigation. No one's losing even a single bit of skin. Nope. Why is that a problem? Um, because they hired a violent bigot and with no oversight, with practices that are very, very, very clearly dated. Uh, and in my day job, I work in an HR-adjacent field. Um, dudes, dudettes, undeclareds, undecideds, literally nowhere else in the world could you get in the in North America? Could you get away with hiring someone like this and say, "Oh, well, it didn't violate any policies. We're not going to punish anyone." If 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 let's take let's take a well-known retail brand, Macy's. If Macy's did this, there would be multiple people fired if it actually managed to happen. But guess what? Well. It wouldn't happen in most retail places that run an actual background check before handing anyone any money. I just what background did, what background check did you have to run when when Arizona drafted this child, for lack of any other term to give him, mm-hmm. they already knew what he had done. They already knew that he was and a, a bigot. They already knew that he was a bully and a racist. Because Arizona caught more than its fair share of, of uh, crap uh, yeah. for drafting him to the point where they didn't. They refused to sign him. Right. For and, reasons. And then you sign him to an entry level. Uh, your own players but, and fans turn around, turn on you. Your own players turned on you. Let's let's stop and rewind before we dive into the players. Ugh. Arizona, yes, was run by a guy who thinks it's fun to not pay their bills. Oh yeah, who thinks it's amusing to I don't know put the NHL, the other thirty-one NHL teams in the position of basically paying for him uh, to have an NHL team so that he can play in a 5,000-seat college arena that he doesn't own, isn't getting much revenue off of, and uh, because he couldn't he couldn't play nice with the city uh, where he had a full-size NHL arena that at least had the potential to draw real, real crowds. The guy who's had multiple complaints of all varieties filed against him thought it was a bad idea to actually put this guy on the payroll but the Boston Bruins did not. I mean, everyone just pause the recording right now yes. and think about that one for a good 60 seconds. And now that you're back, go ahead. <laughs> I'm specific recommendations. You kind of skipped the first rec. You kind of skipped the first one, which shouldn't need to be a recommendation, and that is to try using common sense. Uh, apparently, that one's out the window because you actually have to make a list of six bullet points, none of which say use common sense, use the God-given brain in your head, use 
anything relatively uh, representing um, in, intelligent thought. But no, you have established prop, established policies and timetables and. One of my favorite quotes, and this is a Frank Saravelli article in which he pulls no punches, bravissimo. Um, one of my favorite quotes, the exact findings and substance of those interviews and documents were not published or not publicly released as other teams have done upon completion of internal review, such as the Chicago Blackhawks with the Kyle Beach sexual assault. Anytime you're linked to a decade-old problem, that is still stinking up the air around another original Six franchise in in writing by a well-respected member of the media, you have messed up in capital letters with like nine underlines, bold italics, and maybe some flashing letters too. Uh, We've used... Go ahead. No, I'm... We've used Saravalli's stuff in the past, and and he's actually come on and 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 tweeted thanks to us and whatnot. But the one thing that I wish he had moved up in the story, because it yeah. seems to be buried kind of in the middle. Um, two days after signing Miller, the Bruins released a statement on November sixth, saying they quote decided to part ways end quote with Miller. To date, Miller remains under contract with the Bruins. And has earned more than $116,000. I haven't seen his butt on any ice. I haven't seen him practicing. I haven't seen him anywhere near a Bruins facility. But he's getting paid. Yes. Here's why. Whatever he, whatever ridiculous and reprehensible things he did in the past, he hasn't done anything since he was signed to for them to have a legal out on the contract. Why? Because they're the ones who messed up. Do I blame Mitchell Miller for signing this contract or Mitch Miller for signing this contract? Absolutely not. Do I blame him for the moronic stuff that he did when he was younger? Yep, 100%. Him, probably his parents. And at a hunch, the school system and that they were in played a part by not listening to the other kids' complaints for probably a couple of years. But the, NH- the front office should be charged with his entire salary. If It's probably not in the collective bargaining agreement uh, or whatever guidelines for payment there are this this would be a charge back to the general manager the club president this would be one of those things that i built into contracts if i were an nhl owner this sort of hot mess i mean and and frank does actually cover that in the last paragraph it says that they're going to implement these these lovely steps and changes uh, immediately, quote-unquote. Next step would be determining how they officially cut ties, who remains under contract. As we'd. Since it was officially registered by the NHL, they can conduct a buyout this summer. If, they keep this, they, if this kid sticks around and keeps getting paid until summertime, 
There's nothing they can do. There's literally nothing they can do. They can attempt to arrange a settlement with him and the NHL Players Association, or they can plead a case to unilaterally terminate the contract, which could be met with resistance since his previous history was well reported. And as you said, because he hasn't done anything to trigger anything since signing, they don't have much of a leg to stand on. I mean, did you see these points, though? I mean, established centralized documentation of vetting, established tracking system. This, like, what we don't normally talk about what I what we put into our show notes for um, our show notes and about each story. What I have there for this story, Bruins give face wash, wash to fans with whitewash. Because that's exactly what this investigation is. Oh, heck yeah. There is literally there is literally no punishment. There is nothing. There's no censure that's going to happen. No one is losing. No one is rightfully losing their job over this. Um, and you look at these bullet points. <laughs> if you brought in some if you brought in an intern in their junior year who's studying business and human resources and you walked them through whatever hiring processes the Bruins had in place, they would make all of these recommendations and more and tell you why you should have them and what laws are relevant uh, in Massachusetts and nationally in about having them in place already. This is legit. You're going from being a solo, uh, being a sole proprietor to hiring your second and third employee type stuff that you should have in place. The Jacobs family has owned the franchise for what, 35, 40 years? Something crazy like that. Mealy has been in, uh, has been the organization's president for over a decade. If you're not keeping up with basic human resources, um, with basic human resources um, standards and practices, fire your fire your lawyers, fire everyone who works in your human resources department, and then fire yourself. Yes, if that's something you're capable of doing, because without having set bullet points, I wonder if they could possibly pull that off. They need bullet points to tell them to establish clear written policies for vetting off-ice conduct. At, at this point, I'm wondering if they don't need these bullet, uh, a similar set of bullet points to remember to zip up and then wash their hands on the way out of the bathroom. Well, they do put signs on the wall that says employees must wash hands before returning. Yeah, but the people involved with this are are, are executives, so. <laughs> oh. It was. It's not in bullet point form on the wall. I see. Okay. This is. I mean, it, you read them and it's like, this is not suggestions on like, this is something that should be every day already set up, already in place. Literally, if you walk through, pick a startup incubator in your city or nearest city to you, and go in there. And ask them about their human about their hiring practices, and every single one of them will tell you most of these bullet points and more. And more. Why? 
Because most of those people are not dumb dumbs. And more. And more. On a more cheerful note, we Yay, have been cheerful is good. since started. And it's been more cheerful, unless you're Team Canada fan. <laughs> they just got the behinds uh, handed to them and their lunch money taken uh, by, by Chechia. Five, two. Five, Five two. two. And this wasn't just a case of the Chechnya, uh, Chechnya goaltender standing on his head and looking world class. But he did. Canada was two words, sounds like terrible, outplayed. They were outplayed. They had a lot of shots from the perimeter. The goals that were the first three goals by uh, Chechia were all from defensemen. They weren't all that in close, which means the defense in front of the net wasn't doing their job. Um, Hughes got absolutely exposed on the first goal. He was out of position and got beat wide. Those are not a good look. This was this was a wake up call for Canada at best. I'm thinking wake up call is probably a good place to start. I, I don't want to. I don't want to accuse the Canadian team of thinking. I, I mean. You've got the guy who's most likely going to be the number one draft pick in Connor Bedard. You got Colton Dock. You got Adam Fantilli, uh, Shane Wright. I mean, you look at this. You look at this list, and it's Dylan and Genther. Shane Wright had a good game. You look at Dylan. I mean, Dylan Genther. You got Owen Zellweger. I mean, there's. You look at this list, and there's. Two thirds of the team is already NHL prospects. Mm-hmm. Several of them have played NHL games. I've seen Fantilli play. I know what he's like. He plays at the University of Michigan, and I'm just wondering. And I, like I said, I don't want to accuse, but it sounds to me like this team showed up and just expected to step on the ice, and it was going to be an automatic win. I can't tell you what the attitude of the players was, but I can tell you there was never a time in this game where Canada looked like the far and away better team. Canada, you know, the game was tied at a couple of different points. Well, no, actually, the game was... Canada scored first, Chechia had the next two, and then the third goal... Canada got their jaw jacked and never recovered from it. It's that simple. Canada came out, threw a couple of haymakers, connected. Chechia looked at them and said, really? Started swinging, and Canada had no idea what to do. You said huge. I'm not saying they stopped playing, but they were not the better team. You said Hughes, but Hughes isn't on the 
Canadian team. I think he's in Sorry, that was the USA game. I'm, I apologize. Uh, I watched five games today. Uh, <laughs> I, I I understand. No, no, I understand. I was just – I'm like Hughes. I'm like – and it, That was USA-Latvia, and we'll get to that game in just a second. I was going to say, uh, okay. Go through all the games, but Canada no, no, no. ranked number one coming into the tournament. They usually are. Un- unfortunately for the United States, they usually are. And – Based on that game, based on USA Latvia, based on Finland, who was ranked number three, losing, you can throw the rankings straight out the window. Like, just forget them. Finland was upset in overtime. Uh, USA played... Like, I always cheer for Latvia. I may be an American. I don't have any Latvian roots. But I cheer for Latvia because every game I've seen them play in the World Juniors, they are the scrappiest team of the tournament. They are just barely outside being a contending team. And if they had one or two difference makers they would run over a lot of teams, like run over good teams every tournament. Um, Don't be surprised if three to five years from now, we're not talking about them the same way that we've been talking about Finland for the last half decade. Uh, Because it's been every year for Latvia. Those guys go out and play. And a lot of their players are playing in the USHL. They're playing in the, uh, the NAHL. They're going to U.S. colleges. They're going. Uh, they're playing in you know the Canadian junior hockey system, and they're taking that knowledge back to play in Latvia's leagues, uh, uh, Latvian leagues, and other European leagues. And they're pushing it back into their development system. Don't sleep on Latvia. If they win. A nice if they have a nice little upset in this tournament, you heard it here first. Um, USA finished. I think it was the first period, might have been the second period, tied with Latvia. I think it was the second period. They were tied two two with Latvia. They went into the third, reassessed, and said, "We're not losing to these guys." Then they went out and did it. Should they win against Latvia? Yeah. Uh, I mean, all you need to do is count the number of players drafted. All you need to do is count the number of prospects who are ranked by any major scouting service. You should know how that game is going to turn out. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm looking at their roster, and, and as far as I can tell, based on what I'm seeing, there's only like two or three actual in the NHL, you know, three drafted prospects that names that I, that I think I recognize. I mean, obviously there's Dan's luck Mellis and because he's a Bruins and that's why I recognize him. Um, is it Vilmanis? Another forward. Sanders Vilmanis belongs to somebody, I think. Yep. And those are the two that I recognize. There's one or two others, but it's okay. It's it's sort of like hockey East, where you have four teams where 
everyone is drafted or, you know, 15 players on each roster are drafted. Uh, and then there's a couple of teams with nobody drafted and you can watch the game for five given minutes and know which team is more talented. Even though that's the case with USA Latvia, I love watching Latvia play. I'm very happy that USA won, particularly with Canada losing. Um, But even though they're in different pools to start, but um, Latvia played a good game. And if they manage to catch someone with a good right cross uh, and, you know, get two goals early on someone. Yeah, it looks like they scored the first goal of the game. Yeah, but forget. I mean, in they're in Pool B with with uh, USA. Um, they get up to nothing on Sweden. Sweden might not come back. Germany, Austria. Um. Yeah, they those two teams. I don't. I don't see the confident and disciplined team that I saw in Latvia today losing easily to any anyone outside of uh, – I don't see them losing easily to anyone. But I don't see anyone but Canada, Finland, and probably the U.S. being able to go into a game confident of beating them. Sure, Sweden probably should beat them. Sure, Chachia probably should beat them. That said, Latvia is there to avoid regula- a relegation, which means they need one win. They can get one win. Okay. I don't know who it's going to be against. I hope I get to see the game. But they can absolutely get one win this year. Would not surprise me if they win too. Um, you mentioned Dan Locks-Mellis a moment ago. Yes. Uh, Boston Bruins draft pick. We got to see him at development camp at the Warrior Ice Arena where the Boston Pride play and the Boston Bruins practice. Mm-hmm. Guess what he's doing in his Swedish junior team this year? leading the team in scoring. Yeah, that wouldn't have been what I would guess. Yep. Leading the team in scoring and in plus minus. 5'10", 154 pounds is what they have him listed at. Yes, 154 pounds at 18 years of age. All right. As I've said before, they probably need to hold him down, stick a funnel down his throat, and fill him full of stew or something. Get some food into that boy. (laughs) I don't know what... Latvian comfort food is, but clearly he's been uncomfortable for a while. <laughs> 154. You need uh, to bulk up a little bit before you hit the NHL, son. You like, <laughs> do everyone a favor and, like, aim for 165 by next development camp. Okay, 165. Good goal. I'll take it. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that's that's unless you unless you are seriously fast enough to just avoid everybody. That's not I'm thinking that's probably not a safe weight to have in the NHL. <laughs> and 
looking at his numbers over last year, last year he had 27 points in 45 games, so 14 and 13. This year through 25 games, he's got 11, 20, and 31. So in 25 games, he's got very nearly as many total points, uh, or many, very nearly as many assists as he had total points in 45 games last year. A pretty, I'm going to go out on a really, really big limb here uh, and say that he's he's going to beat last year's numbers in the uh, in the Swedish Junior League. Just a hunch. Okay. Oh, hey, we're gonna we can actually we can actually watch him play because apparently next year he's coming to the University of Massachusetts. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, and not for anything, but elite prospects <laughs> either really likes to play with numbers or somebody was standing on the scale with him because, <laughs> or maybe it's just not the right Dan's Lock Mellis, but the num, but the, the hockey numbers match up and the, the history matches up, but they have him listed at six feet and 170 pounds. Hey. He's at the right age for a growth spurt, so it's possible. Um, he didn't. I saw him on the ice. He didn't look 154 pounds anymore. Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe they did. Maybe they took my advice and actually did get some stew into him. Yeah, they got him <laughs> some comfort food. Um, 2022 but, round four, 119 overall by the Bruins. It sounds like the same kid. Definitely the same child. <laughs> But yeah, we'll get to keep an eye on him. Actually, he'll be close to home, playing at UMass. Maybe go out and see a game out there next year. I've never been to their arena. Well, they gave us one of the one of the brightest young pros, one of the brightest young hockey players to come along in a while. You know that that Makar kid. All hail Cam. He's a goaltender, right? Yes. He was originally a center, and then he switched to goaltending. Yeah, and he's, he catches. He's a he's a left-handed goaltender. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Yeah, I knew there was something memorable about him. <laughs> he was so much fun to watch. <laughs> One of the other players who I really want to get a chance to see this year. Yeah. Who is at the World Juniors, and I did see him in the game. I, he did not have any points. Um, Fabian Lysel. Wow. Right wing. Gothenburg, Sweden. 19 years old. Uh, actually, he's going to turn 20 in another three weeks. Um, so probably just after he gets back to the Providence Bruins. I'm, just saying, I'm pretty um, sure he's already been drafted by somebody, right? He, he too, has been drafted. Uh, 2021. Um, and this year in Providence, he's 8, 11, and 19 in 20 games. So definitely not shabby. Um, I was – I love watching him play. I loved every minute of watching him at, at, at development camp. And I really want to see what he does on the world stage. Um, if you're not watching Sweden's games because – Whatever you're doing it wrong, record them, watch them, 
Um, one of the things I love most about World Juniors is the games move fast. There's no TV timeouts. There's no on-bench interviews. There's no... Oh, we know you love on-bench interviews. <laughs> I love them like grocery shopping. I think we do. I think we discussed them a couple episodes ago. Maybe yes. You know, or, or, was it was it was it one with John Tortorella? Maybe. <laughs> Might have been. I, it, the thing is with with Fabian Lysel, he they. One of the comment, one of the things when you read the quote from the draft guide, probably one of my favorite comments. I mean, mm-hmm. they discuss his, his skating form, nearly perfect, great posture, depth, blah, blah, blah. He scans regularly, reloads his sport defenseman. His work rate never wanes. Highly skilled forward with impressive technical skills, amazing release. Loyal team player. Plays at high pace, high level of skill, creating a lot for himself and others. It sounds to me like not only is he talented physically, hockey-wise, but it sounds like he's got his head on his shoulders. Yeah, he's, he's got it. His head is screwed on right. He's got both the mental and the physical. And let's be honest, the two of us have seen, and most hockey fans of, of any tenure have seen, a good number of guys make it to the NHL who have all the physical talent in the world, you know, million dollar body and a $2 brain. And that just doesn't cut it in the NHL. You can get away with it in certain positions in football. You can get away with it in baseball, any position, anytime. Um, but you can't do that in hockey. There's, Things move too quickly if you don't understand what's going to happen at minimum as it's happening, but ideally before it happens, you're lost. And I can't wait to go see a couple of games for Lysel. I can't wait till he's in Boston. I suspect there's, depending on injuries and how they alleviate the cap, he might actually see action even before the trade deadline, um, after World Juniors. So was that was that a little dig at like Matt Cook or or was that a dig at the Steve Avery or, <laughs> or Sean Avery? No, Sean Avery Sean, actually. Sean understood Avery, hockey. yeah. He just didn't understand consequences. I thought he and yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, 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 oh wait, maybe it's maybe it's Wilson Tom down there in Washington. There are some that they have they have they're highly talented. Matt Cook is a highly talented player. I'm not gonna say he's elite, I'm not gonna say he's great, but Matt Cook when he played is he still playing even? I don't know. Oh, no, but but talented player. He legitimately belonged in the NHL based on his ability to produce game result. And I'm gonna use game result as an umbrella term for Defensive play for two zone play or for multi zone play, passing, understanding, you know, how to box a player out or get in the shooting lanes and stuff like that. You know, pass reception, all of the eight bajillion little things you need to do to play hockey at any at a higher level, whether it's even even as high as college hockey or major junior, certainly the pros. He understood that as much as I think he was a reckless moron. He 
understood the X's and O's and flowing arrows of hockey. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where it ceased. Oh, okay. But as far as, like, guys who just don't get it, we've seen a few. It, there's no need to name names. <laughs> okay. I I didn't know if you were if, – if, if they were, like, disguised or veiled comments. I just <laughs> – but no, you're right. There, are, there is no real need to. You know who you are. You know. Who you are. <laughs> um. Now you had a uh, you had a story that I thought we weren't going to see this soon. Uh-uh. Uh, based on other stuff that's happened with this guy in the last year or so. Oh wait, you're talking about. Hmm. And I've lost. Oh my goodness! You deleted all the stories. No, no, I haven't deleted all the stories. <laughs> so, <laughs> un- unfortunately, a, a, a retirement has taken place. And I, I, I actually legitimately am surprised by this because we saw this guy make his return to the NHL not very long ago, the- and do well. About as well as you can expect. Through it, through a tweet on December nineteenth, the the Hamburglar Andrew Hammond has officially announced his retirement. St. Patrick's Day, two thousand thirteen. I signed an NHL contract with the Ottawa Senators. One dream came true. I was undrafted free agent. I thought things couldn't get better than that. I was wrong. My career was a series of unbelievable and unexpected memories. As life throws more unexpected things my way, I am retiring from hockey. Unfortunately, during my time with Montreal, I hurt my ankle and I won't be able to make a full recovery. I'm excited for more time stopping pucks at home with Cal, Carson, and Harlow. I would like to thank my wife first and foremost. We've had probably 20 addresses we've called home throughout my career. She's been there for all of it. Good games, bad games, and everything in between. I would also like to thank my parents for making the sacrifices along the way that allowed me to live out my dream. Can't um, can't call him the best goaltender of all time, but man, when he went on a run, he went on a run. <laughs> and I do love the fact that he ends his, his he ends his statement in his tweet with a giant hamburger because yeah. it's one of those things that hockey just needs more of. It needs more personality. Personality. There you go. That's exactly needs, the word I was going to pull up. Yep. It needs more humanity and it needs less risk aversion and business, you know, 202. It, it legit needs. I mean, you read A long time ago, I used to be a salesman. And one of the most important things you learn in sales is people buy emotionally. Period. Oh, yeah. If there's no emotion to attach to with your product, people aren't going to buy it. That is not something that certain NHL executives, starting with their marketing team and their and the commissioner, seem to understand. It's not just about feeling safe at the game, and yes, that's an important thing. It's about having someone to love, someone to root for, and someone to hate. Like, 
Yeah, but how do you hate that? You, you can't. You, this is not a. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, not a guy yeah. you're hating. No, no, no. But like, people hate Brad Marshall. People hate Tom Wilson. Brendan Gallagher. Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher. Um, little less reason there, but people hate Matt Kachuk. Guess Ryan what? Reeves. If they hate something, they're paying attention to it. It's that yeah. simple. Like Matthew Kachuk going on TV and talking about the NHL, his, his press conference when he arrived in Florida was beautiful. The NHL should have been marketing the ever-loving leap out of that for six months. What happened? Exactly what I have come to expect from the NHL marketing teams. Nothing. Nothing. Okay, just check. Another one of the headers I have for a story. And I saw this and I laughed the entirety of it and probably for five minutes afterwards. And Chris saw it and laughed for the entirety of it and probably five minutes afterwards. (laughs) Still chuckling. (laughs) Ryder gets laugh as junior reporter for the Ducks. I have it. In the, seg- in, the, in the segment map as what the NHL needs now. Because there is so much personality in that young man. So much energy and just so much difference from the bland palp that we see during game day and in-game interviews from the sideline reporters and the studio people calling down to see who calling down to talk to interview people between game or between the periods and after the game, regurgitating the same questions, spoon feeding them the points they want the player or the coach to make. This is what, this is what's needed. Like, he was junior, junior junior reporter for the day, I think he said he was, and he was going to ask the tough questions. And he did. <laughs> he I will definitely put the links. I will definitely put a link in the description when we finish this. But <laughs> okay, you can put the link in the description because I was just just going to tweet it and reply to uh, the show because I will probably put up a poll as well. But do that. But <laughs> this is <laughs> delightful. If you can't laugh at the sheer absurdity of it, I mean, this kid is probably not even 12 years old, and he's absolutely gutting grown men. Like, don't don't, don't you don't you have to be smart to do that? <laughs> sit down at some point in the next in the hour after you listen to this show. Pull up the tweet. Turn up the audio on whatever you're listening to the show on. Watch him him interviewing. And just enjoy five awesome minutes of entertainment. It's not even that long. It's like two and a half. But if I could find a longer version, I would. But I I kept laughing long after it was over. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Enjoy it. And then share it with your friends. Because the only way the NHL is going to get the point that we enjoy the human side of the game 
that's not fake and forced and those studio interviews of, oh, please tell, please fawn over uh, Alex Ovechkin's goal-scoring ability. Look, Alex Ovechkin, by any objective standard, is the greatest goaltender ever, whether he surpasses Gretzky or not. The current NHL players don't need to say anything about that. Are there several of them who hope to pass him? Yes, there are. Do, uh, do most of them have a reasonable expectation that they will? No, they don't. No. But Ryder Getzlaff, as Ducks Jr. reporter, make put it on your to-do list. Like, put it on your to-do list, and then when you're done watching it, save the video for those times when you're having a bad day so you can go back and watch. Because you will want to. Yeah. Where are we going next? It, it still gets me chuckling. It, it's it's an absolute delight. It still gets me chuckling. Uh, let's see. Where else can we go? Well, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you something, and I, I actually did a little digging, and I probably meant to do this. I probably meant to do this uh, last month, but never really figured out where and what. So back on November 4th, 2018, we recorded episode 0091, episode 91. So 209 episodes ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. Well, you should because you went on a little bit of a diatribe. Never informed us. There was a there, there was a game Bruins versus Predators and there was some it, it won nothing shutout the the Preds won there was a call by Colton Sissons that uh, that was sold and a missed call again and somebody one of the two of us that would be went on a little bit of a rant about officiating and made the statement that it, it would he didn't know how long it would take to fix but gave us some clues as to you know how to fix it you know less officials for non-division games and a constant review or evaluation for those officials that are struggling. Here we are three, three years later and 209 episodes. Have we advanced beyond that issue? Absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, I only ask because there is on our, on our little storyboard here. um, And I'm not sure if we talked about it last week, but, we may have hinted at it or we talked about it in the pre or post game um, with a, a little bit of um, a video on, tw- uh, on on Twitter where somebody is tugging the left arm. And as the guy tugs the left arm, this was in a college game. So you mean a Michigan player is is tugging someone towards them? Yeah, go ahead. Minnesota, not Michigan. Sorry. Minnesota. Big M, I know it's confusing. Uh, actually, my brother, my brother gives me the same issue. He's like, it's got a big M. It's not Michigan. No, it's Minnesota. Um, Different shape to the M, but go ahead. It made your head butt, but when you look at it, he was pulled in. And, and I'm just thinking, have we cleaned up the officiating? And it uh, led, me to, led, no. me to, led me to think back to three or so years ago when you actually went on this and we needed to – you had – you had pointers for the NHL, bullet points, if I may, about how the NHL could fix this. And this is being college. Maybe it didn't flow down to them. 
that they maybe they didn't get the bullet points, but I don't know if it's been fixed because I keep watching NHL games where there are phantom calls left and right. And yes, we even had the issue where um, officials were dumb enough to not turn off their microphones and get caught. You know, I don't care who it is. I'm calling a penalty. Well, that you was know. Tim Peel. We know he's not that bright. <laughs> So I just wanted to ask, after three years, if we'd gotten anywhere, if you've noticed any changes or noticed any improvement, can we give them any positives? Um, they've stopped calling phantom penalties on – or they call less phantom penalties on Brad Marchand, and they actually call things that are done against him. Um, beyond that and – I, and I think that's probably because they finally figured out that it was easier to – call those penalties than to have him take matters into his own hands um, and or chew them out for the rest of the game because, let's face it, Brad's good at that. Um, but no, I, I do not see any viable improvement. I do not see any viable improvement in officiating, and in some ways it's worse. And then that's what concerns me is that after three years and we noticed and, and we noticed it back then that the fact that they haven't managed to progress beyond math officiating, that to me is a problem. They're not learning from their mistakes. They're not learning from past history. They're not reviewing themselves as, as, as one of the recommendations was. When, at what point do we get some kind of scoring system for officials? Or, or because and and you can't and if you got on top of that, if you have the capabilities to review things, why are some things not reviewed? And if and if two refs reviewed this play between Faber and uh, Strommel, uh, Faber of Minnesota, Strommel of Wisconsin, and two referees, and they talk, and, and they still can't get it right, and it's reviewed, and they still can't get it right. Where is the mistake? Where, why are things so egregious? I just don't understand it. I mean, in some, the biggest... The biggest argument against further review is one I happen to agree with, and that's pace of play. Why? Because any review takes at least I, – I can only count maybe five reviews that I've seen since the NHL introduced its current form three or four years ago that took less than 90 seconds, and some of them take well over five minutes. If you're doing that three or four times a game, you're going to have four-and-a-half-hour NHL regular season games – and I'm sorry, even I'm not sitting around for that. And I understand that. But at the same point in time, they also have certain angles that like there's apparently a camera right on the blue line. In some arenas, yes. Is it only in some arenas? I thought this was a, a an NHL wide thing. The only problem is that we don't get to see that camera. Well, I mean, look at the NFL. Not all of the. And the cameras on the end zone line. The, oh, uh, on the pylons and whatnot. Yes. Not every ne those are network controlled and not arena controlled or league controlled, and not all the networks have them. Like camera work for officiating purposes is the quickest, 
easiest path to improvement mm-hmm. for all of the leagues, every single one of them, and the leagues don't care to invest in it. How do we know this? The leagues are refurbished all the time. Those magical, wonderful, beautiful, game quality, enjoyment, enhancing, flashing light boards that change the advertisement every 2.2 point, uh, every 2.2 tenths of a second during an NHL game had to have required extensive upgrades to the systems. So installing a camera at each blue line and maybe one or two behind the net that could see into the net um, and let you know from a couple of angles if a, if a puck passes the blue line or not from ice level so that, you know, when there's bodies above it, you can get a low view from the boards, a uh, middle view from the boards, and actually have an answer to your questions. But you realize the only true answer to that one is to put a camera underneath the ice because – when people are piling up on top of it, you lose sight of the puck. So the only way to actually get that right is to have a camera underneath the blue line, underneath the ice, or underneath the goal. Yeah, but I mean, then you risk the camera freezing, and you can only, you can really only replace it between games. <laughs> I know. There's so you better find a way to keep it heated then. Oh wait, then you melt the ice. Uh, you know, I there's no wrong, there's no right answer. I don't know. There isn't. So, so you either a, you either a go back to human 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 fault, and just deal with the fact that referees are human and make mistakes, or you keep trying to fix reviews until the hockey game takes half a day to play. I, as I said, I'm not up for a four-hour NHL game, regular season NHL game. Oh no, absolutely not. Um, I I've said before that. When it comes to any review, mm-hmm. they can look at every camera angle. I don't care if there's one or 20, but they can only look at it once, and it has to be in regular speed. Once that's done, decision needs to be made. Call a stand, call is overturn. Boom. And you can only look at it at regular speed, which is, at that point, then you should have made it, then you shouldn't even bother having reviews you're looking at in regular speed look the the reviews in one that are like one uh 60 frames a second that are slow or 60 frames a second that are slowed down to actually taking a full second per frame Mm -hmm. those are a lie your brain does not understand that's not real time those are a lie i like it when when it comes to the way that your brain processes data those are a lie period okay um anyways so no i i haven't seen improvement in and therein see we actually go back and we do updates on our own shows see that there you go um one other look back when Oh, when will William Nylander stop being the most overlooked player and underappreciated player on an original 16? Oh, I have an answer for this one. Oh, oh, oh. Never? Nope. That answer comes from 
that answer comes from a lovely website otherwise known as <gasps> Cap Friendly. He can be underappreciated and underrecognized when oh wait, he stops making seven million dollars a year. Which is like half of what two of his teammates are making. It's Three of his half. teammates. It's like four million dollars less, but sixty percent. He's producing <laughs> at a better clip. I I agree. I mean, when they signed him to this deal, what was it two years ago? Because he was a wasn't he a, a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, and and they had to. And they were whining about even paying him that much, yeah. And they were worried about, yeah, they were worried about giving him seven days. How how could they afford that? And what were they? And we all, of course, said that there's no way they could pay him that much and pay Marner and Matthews. And then they traded for Tavares. And oh wait, you got to pay him eleven million dollars a year. Where are they going to get all this money? But yeah, William Nylander, he's probably he's I mean, the most valuable contract on that team. And I'm not willing to listen to anything else. I was going to say between him and between him and Pasta's last year of his deal. They are probably the two biggest steals in the NHL right now, or close to a two of the five biggest steals. You know, of the players with more than 20 20 games played for the the, uh, Leafs this year, Mm -hmm. William Nylander is far and away the most productive in goals per 60 minutes played. Wait, 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 wait. Well, he plays he plays two minutes per game less of five on five time than Austin Matthews, and about thirty five seconds less, forty seconds less than Mitch Marner. He's more valuable than Austin Matthews, the man who can do no wrong, aside from rattling the door, the locked doors of a woman in in her car and mooning her. Sure, no. Oh no, well, yeah, that, no. that was we're not we're not going to mention that though. No. And you know who the you know who the second highest player in goals against per sixty uh, at even strength is on that team? Mitch Marner. And these are five on five goals. Mitch Marner. Nope. Wayne Simmons. Uh, not quite. Pierre Engvall. Who? Pierre Engvall. Nope. Uh, he's at a respectable point six eight. John Tavares is a point nine six, very respectable, very very. Yeah. Um, Austin Matthews is at one point oh four, so he's regularly scoring, and that's all you can ask. Mitch Marner one even, so one goal per sixty minutes of ice time. But number two is actually Kelly Yarncroft at one point one two. Kelly, he's only playing. He's playing under 10 minutes a night of even strength time on ice. His best year. 1.32. So he's effectively scoring once every four periods uh, of a five on five time. And surprise, surprise, he's leading the team in the in, go- in goal scoring. Not Austin Matthews? Not. No, no. Austin Matthews is not leading the team in goal scoring. Wow. Uh, I mean, I know that if you listen to fans in that city, Austin Matthews is the greatest person ever to skate 
like at all. Not not just skate in the NHL, not just play in the current NHL, but ever to skate. Well, he's like Gretzky and and Orr and 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 Ovechkin and, and McDavid all wrapped into one. Yeah, I mean, Mitch Marner did manage to sneak ahead by one point of William Nylander uh, in the team lead for scoring, but Nylander is the only one on the team with 20 or more po- or goals. And Mitch Marner, who's having a, you know, he's there's nothing you can really criticize about 40 points in 34 games. Uh, no. Mitch Marner is a plus four, but William Nylander is a plus 14. Plus 14. Mm. Plus 14. Um, shooting percentage of 16.18, two game, uh, two game winning goals. Um, you know, we like Mitch Marner's game a lot. Um, I do have one thing I can, I can complain about William Nylander. He needs to get rid of that. He needs to get rid of that mustache. I know, I know we, I know we just had Movember, but it just doesn't look, it, 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 I don't know. To me, it's just not a good look for him. But I'll forgive him because we just had Movember, so the whole mustache thing. I get it. But. So while we're talking mustaches. <laughs> I wasn't trying to drag you away from William. I mean, we can go on. We can go on filling his ego, but. Really quickly, what do you think of Connor Clifton's mustache? It's Connor Clifton. I'm not going to complain about Connor. Have you seen the way he hits people that are twice his size? <laughs> I'm not a fool. <laughs> if he wants to grow it, by all means, be my guest. I still don't think it's a good look on him, but be my guest. <laughs> and as Nathan Gravite t- tweeted just before the break, uh, William Nylander ranks on the season number one in goals, third in assists, tied for second in points, second in even strength or points, 14 even strength goals first overall. And second in expected uh, goals per 60. That's, yeah. And yet no one ever talks about him positively. It's like, it's utterly bothering. I don't have a a problem with him. I was trying to figure out how we were going to lure him away so we could have another goal scorer besides Pasternak a couple of years ago. Because that was the whole thing is they couldn't come to an agreement with him. They were going to have to, they were going to have to start the season without him and potentially trade him. That was the whole deal, and I was trying to figure out how we could. You know, I was going to drive to Toronto and, and pick him up there, so we didn't have to get on a commercial jet and or whatever it was two or three help years. However long, uh, I'll should. help him pack. Yeah, sure. That, we were trying to figure out how to get him here. Make and sure then all he has of a sudden, toothbrush. Then all of a sudden, he signed the seven million dollar deal, and it was like, okay, good play. I don't know how you're going to afford everybody else, but good play. And now, and now they're reaping the benefits, and nobody wants to talk about him. Now they're reaping the benefits, and still not in first place in their division. Well, there's that too. I mean, but again, as we discussed many, many times on this show, they have problems not related to goal scoring. I mean, they are third in the e- in the East in total points, and like. Yes. In the league, fourth, fifth in the league overall in points. 
So it's not like they're a terrible team this year. But, but. yeah, I still worry about their defense. I still worry about their goaltending. Their goal differential, their goal differential as a team is literally half what the Bruins is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so. I just can't get behind that team. But it's not William Nylander's fault. No, I'm not saying no, 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 I'm not saying it is. But I mean, again, and to be honest, the goaltending is better than expected this year. I usually harp on them about their goaltending, but Samsonov is is, or now he wants to pronounce Samsonov, so he's throwing me off with that one. He's got a 9.24 save percentage, 2.07 goals against. Hasn't played as many games as Linus Allmark, but and and even Matt Murray has a 2.34 and a 9.25 save percentage. The trouble, the, the trouble with Matt Murray is, when are we expecting the soon to be coming injury that keeps him out the rest of the year? Probably the next time he sneezes really hard. I mean, because that was the thing in in Philly, in, in, excuse me, not in Philly, in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Wonderful, you know, wonderful goaltender. You know, took him to as a rookie, took him to the playoffs. What did they win the Stanley Cup when he was a rookie? I think they did. Uh, yeah. Um, Actually, uh, more seriously, I think I know exactly when his next major injury is going to happen. Uh-oh. Uh, when he goes to a gymnastics uh, studio and tries to replicate the body motions of Ilya Labushkin when Keegan Kolasar hit him along the boards. <laughs> in the I was wondering if when that I was wondering when that was going to come up. If you haven't seen it, it <clears throat> Excuse it me. defies the laws of physics. It defies a lot of things. Like, like one of the <laughs> the like the best response to this is uh, Lino De Silvo. Um, he was, and this is from a head of this gentleman used to be head of animation at Disney's Frozen, um, mm-hmm. and supervisor of animator uh, at for Tangled Bolt uh, to Disney movies you may or may not remember. His response to this one is, if I animated this, I would have gotten notes that it's too exaggerated. <laughs> Look, no one wants to see an injury. Keegan Colasar's hit was borderline, probably needed a penalty. Um, and... Uh, I don't, have you looked at anything, looked up anything that player safety uh, has done in the last week or so? I haven't seen this on player safety's radar. Okay, so is this hit suspendable, finable? Uh, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I, I don't know if he, it's not really boarding, but is it? I don't even know. It's like... Literally, Labushkin kind of flips rear end over tea kettle on. The, and I, mean, I think he had to help it to, to. I think he had to help it to get like that. I don't know. It, it's baffled me. Give this a cheerful ten uh, for dive, um, even though there is contact in a place where you probably need to be care- where you need to be careful about contact. 
the actual physical motions of Ilya Labushkin on this are they belong in America's Got Talent or maybe like Cirque du Soleil. He's he was more likely to get hurt based off of his actions than Keegan Colasar's. There's just like watch the hit. Like the more you watch it, the less sense it makes. It just he comes in, he bumps him. First of all, the the main point of contact is actually like between the shoulders, like where his name is. He doesn't hit him in the head. He gets him in the shoulders, but he kind of comes at him from the side. And then Labushkin kind of like flips sort of like with his head kind of going to the board. I, I don't know. <laughs> and the best part of it is Mike Rupp, who played a very physical brand Upper. of NHL hockey for years. And as a studio commentator, doesn't really pull his punches very much. I mean, he's not the he's not as blunt as Bish or anything like that. But if he sees a hit that he thinks is dirty, he's going to call it dirty. I, I mean, sometimes he'll say, "Oh, it wasn't the best hit," but he'll he's not he's not going to say, "Oh, I don't know about this one," or "I trust the officials." He's going to say what he thinks. His tweet, his retweet of the missing curfew. Uh, tweet that I found this in is how is that even possible? Because the physics aren't there. Between Mike Rupp and Lino De Silvo, they are a hundred percent correct. No, it, it, he had to have helped it along. That's the only. But like, if you're looking for something finable, suspendable, it's not there. The best you can do, the best you could do, is call Colasar for two minutes for boarding. And because it wasn't even that he it wasn't even that he strided like five feet away or, you, you know, know what? Took, I you can know. live with the boarding. I can. It'd be like a two minute boarding call at best. If it's two minutes uh, and I don't exactly remember what it was, but I believe it was two minutes. I'm OK with it because Labushkin gets back up and get and immediately joins these joins the pack getting into Polisar's face, which <laughs> Not going to intimidate Keegan Colasar, but not know, really. <laughs> I yeah. Not really. Didn't he get to learn under Ryan Reeves? Didn't yeah. Um, wasn't I Ryan, wasn't Ryan out there for Keegan's rookie year yes, <laughs> in yes, Vegas. <laughs> but looking at this hit, I, I this is just one of those things where you have to say, okay, dude, whatever, and go back to your life. <laughs> but the question, the question for me when I saw, you know, outside of Rupper's question of how is this even possible? Yes, okay, you give Colasar, and like I said, my best guess, and I didn't see the play, I don't know what was called, I have no idea. My guess is, or if I were officiating a play, I would probably say two minutes boarding for Colasar. But I would also give two minutes for embellishment to Labushkin. He had to have helped that along if you watch it. There's no way he just okay. magically flips up and over himself. I don't know if he's embellishing or trying to make sure that he doesn't hit head first. Um, I'm, I lean more towards him trying to make sure he doesn't hit head first simply because of how quickly he gets back up off the ice and goes yeah. directly at Colasar. I think if he were embellishing, he probably would have laid on the ice for a good 10 seconds. 
before mm-hmm. setting up. Okay. Um, but don't do that. Like, his skates were literally at the jaw height of Keegan Colasar, which means you're – no, they're higher. Like, his left skate hits the boards like four or five inches above where his head height is. That means your skates are wide open to to cut someone's face or throat while you're flailing around like that. Um, yes, there were no other players in the immediate area, but the game moves too fast for that sort of nonsense. Um, less amusing. Yeah. Sam Bennett. Knee on knee hip for Holmstrom. Uh, Simone Holmstrom of the Islanders. Yeah, and I'm just watching this for the first time. Oh, yeah, I'm just watching this for the first time. That's nasty. There is no doubt in my mind that that is suspension worthy. Yeah, his leg is way out there. That's that's not like, oh, I, I, I accidentally was in the area. His leg is way out there. Um, I don't. He's going to be missing. He's going to be. He's going to be a little lighter in the wallet and missing some games. I think. Like I don't know how that happens. Um, to me, that one's a clear suspension. And yet, that. What was there? Not no response. Nothing. Uh, well, that was at 9.13 p.m. or Brady or it, this tweet was at 9.33 or 9.13 p.m. on the 23rd. League office probably closed, but I haven't seen any announcements. Um, we may see an announcement tomorrow on the status of this one. Okay. But I'm going to be shocked if Bennett doesn't get at least two or three. Because there's just there's no excuse for that. There's no weight transfer away. He sees him coming the entire way and just his foot's planted. Um, he doesn't. You can't do that. It's just dumb. Like, I. Wait a minute. I'm looking. Uh, I don't even want to. Just no. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't do any. He makes no attempt to avoid hitting home. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you level someone with a clean hit across yes, the checking body. is checking is one thing, but he's not even in a position to check the guy. The way his body is, he's not even like, in a position to check um, Holmstrom. Like he's leaning way forward. If he brought his, if he recentered his weight, he would have hit his shoulder would have hit Holmstrom right in the middle of his chest and Holmstrom would have gone flying. Yeah. Clean hit. Everyone except for Holmstrom who probably doesn't remember what city he's in is happy. This, this was vulgar. I think so. Uh, you had a couple of other stories down here. Well, one was just something that 
I'm not sure if it's way too soon or not soon enough or something that I really <laughs> Uh, the officiating we covered and the hamburger retiring we covered. Uh, so the other one is we were talking, we keep talking and I, I keep trying to get the process going for getting a certain, you know, Connor Clifton, uh, the seventh player award here in Boston. And while digging around, I found that there's certain players that are candidates for NHL awards. The problem is that it's one it's actually one player who's viable for multiple awards. You know what? He's been in the NHL what 8 years at this point. Has it really been 8 years for Pasta? No. Maybe. The last contract he was on was 6 years long, so it was he six. Started, he played his first NHL games in the 14-15 season, so it's been like, yeah. So eight. This is his eighth season. Actually, it's his ninth year ninth. in the NHL. Yeah. Um. He's but not gotten a single award yet. It's just amazing at the time that this was written, which wasn't all no, that long actually, ago. Which he did get the Richard Award in twenty in nineteen twenty. 1920. Okay. Oh, 2019 slash 2020. Yes. Ah, I'm thinking 1920. That was only a few years ago. Sure. Like 80. Um, but I think to load him down with multiple awards, so long as the Bruins have him signed before those awards are handed out, I'm okay with it. I mean, they've got uh, the Bruins player in the running for the heart, Pasternak. Art Ross, Art Ross, Pasternak, Richard Pasternak. I mean, it, it's like it, I understand that you know he's he's really good, and I I want to see him continue to stay at Boston Bruin. It's just a surprise. And then when you come to things like oh the Norris Trophy, it says Bruins players in the running, Hampus Lindholm. This one admittedly is a long shot. Is it because he doesn't score a boatload of goals? I mean. Yes. The idea, the idea of Norris Trophy is best all-around defenseman, not best offensive defenseman. They need to create like, and I know we've talked about this before too. They need to create some sort of, I don't know, Bobby Orr Award or a Ray Bork or, or pick any other offensive defenseman that that that's been. That's why I go with Bobby, although he was all around. So was Ray Bork. Uh, maybe you call it the Brent Burns Award. Although I don't know if anybody wants to win that one. The Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey. Something that signifies, okay, this defenseman is clearly more offensive-minded than other defensemen. Then The bulk of defensemen in the NHL are not offensive-minded. Yes, everybody wants to score goals, but if you're a defenseman, you recognize that your first job is to play defense and... Protect a goaltender, Yeah. So to set or make the it, goaltender's it, job easier right, is probably the best way to put it. It's just sad that it says this one admittedly is a long shot. The other surprising thing about this Norris Trophy thing is it, it's not the Hall of Famer. Yeah. And I understand but, that, okay, he didn't start the season. He missed the first little bit, the first month, half month, whatever it was. Uh, certainly came back earlier than expected, as did Marshawn. 
As did Grizzly. Joking about this candidate earlier in the show. You could, I wouldn't, I would not argue with him being, you know, one of those top finalists, you know, whether he actually makes the top three or, you know, he's somewhere in that top five to seven, you know, who are the finalists. I can live with that because Lindholm has been really, really good this year. And I think that he's been consistently better than uh, McAvoy, period. McAvoy had two really, really good games and a couple of good games, like above average for him games when he came back. Yeah. And he's just been Charlie McAvoy. I'm Um, still seeing I'm still seeing Charlie make. uh, and, And yes, Charlie is good at good at what he does for what he does. But I still see him make similar mistakes. One of the things that they talked about him when they first drafted him was that he learns from his mistakes. He doesn't make the same mistake twice. I'm pretty sure I heard Jack say that at least once. And I'm still seeing him make some of the some of the same mistakes. But he has improved from his. He has definitely improved. But as far as as far as Lindholm goes, it just. I, and it says it's sad that a lot of voters look at scoring totals and make it a significant factor when filling out their ballot. If Lindholm isn't in the top 10 in defenseman scoring by season's end, he probably won't be finalist for the award. And that would be unfortunate because he's a tremendous he's been tremendous defensively stalwart on special teams and has logged 24, 17 device time per game, which is a lot until you get to like, I don't know, Drew Doughty, who logs like half an hour and and the guy's like 31 years old. <laughs> Half an hour and then goes for a two-mile jog. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they obviously they list you know the man for as. And uh, as much as I think he probably is owed at least one more selfie at some point in his career. Yeah. <laughs> I told you when you first showed me this story or talked about this story that uh, it would be number thirteen that I would most likely push for the selfie this year. Because Charlie Coyle has been something special to watch this year. There, he has been. He has been. I I don't know if I don't know if faceoffs factor into the award, and because his faceoff percentage is not what what Bergeron's is. And yes, they say Bruins players in the running. Who's is? Who's is as good as <laughs> as good as Bergeron's? Yes. Um. Nobody. Yeah, not that I've seen. Anyway, it's the Chris Canyon call and response. <laughs> Nobody. I mean, and, and, but it, I, and then obviously Jack Adams for Jim Montgomery. I I would like to see somebody like Charlie Coyle get at least a mention for. It. I know that last year it was well, we, you know, Marshawn might make. But they don't necessarily give it to wingers all the time, and Mark Stone was nominated for it, but they don't give it. I don't know. I, I, I think it, I think it's just an easy – and I'm not saying that Nick Goss didn't do a good job writing this story. It's just that the names that he's put down there, is that really all that the, all that the Bruins have that's – Available for that I, award is you could you could make a better case, uh, you could make as strong a case 
for Lena Solmar, her heart, as you put David Pasternak, may be stronger. Have you? I was going to say, has anybody seen Omar play this season? The guy's that's <laughs> been ridiculous. For that matter, He's number one in wins. No. For that matter, you could make a really strong case for David Krejci. He stepped back into the league after a year in a much slower, much less physical league. Mm-hmm. He's producing. He's producing at his own pace, like. He's not 36 plus years old. Like he isn't closing in on a thousand NHL games. Um, I mean, David Krejci will turn 37 years old before the Stanley Cup is awarded. He is 10 games away from his 1,000th NHL game, so sometime the middle of January. Um, he's got 26 points in 28 games this year after a year of not being in the NHL. His linemen, his line mates have been makeshift and varied. Yes, he spent a lot of time with David Pasternak. He spent some reasonable time with uh, Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. At one point, he had both of them. He had Jake DeBrus. But he's also had Pablo yeah. Leaping Zaka, who, aside from being a good defensive forward, hasn't um, he had over a hundred different wingers in his time? Didn't didn't I read that? Rumble. I think I read that somewhere. That, that David Krejci has played with, like, 100 different pairs of wings or something like like. Yeah, it's <laughs> – I, I, I mean, some of that is just a tribute to his tenure and how long he's played and how well he's played. Some of it is just, you know, the dynamics of the league and the salary cap and everything like that. But, but for him to have – But for him to have played with that many and that varied – uh, a set of wingers and to still be as consistent as he is. And again, is a tribute to, is a tribute to Krejci's game. 36 years old. Yeah. A point per game, effectively a point per game player for essentially the first time in his career. I mean, he's had other seasons where he's been reasonably close to a point per game. Reasonably close, all right. Um, but I mean, David Krejci is playing phenomenal hockey this year. Period. And he's at least as unappreciated in Boston as William Nylander is up in Toronto this year. Yeah, I can I can see that comparison. I mean, I've always greatly appreciated David Krejci, but this is this is a there have been times result. There have been times where we've come down on him too. I mean, he there have been times where he and I, I I'm not going to deny that I never called him that I never called him Houdini. I certainly did. There have been times where he has disappeared. Absolutely. You know, but his consistency and as a playoff performer. As a playoff performer, there's two guys on the roster who are better, and we know who those two are, or who are as good. And they played; they were on the ice with him the last time the Bruins won a cup. They're the only two holdovers at this point. The only two holdovers. 60, 26 points in 28 games. I mean, you can't ask for a, a heck of a lot more than that for a month. I mean. No, you can't. Um, 
And between that and just – we mentioned earlier while we were talking about Mitch Mar, uh, Mitch, whatever his name was. Mitchell Miller, yeah. The mistake. Um, the cool. players revolting. Yes. If there is a single defense to be made of the situation from the point of view of the judgment of Neely and Sweeney, it's the fact that the locker room did revolt. That they oh. did say, yes, they this did. is not something that we will stand for. They, whatever other defects they have, and we probably discussed each and every one of those defects 61 times in the past five years. Um, the players recognized how bad of a look this was, and they were not afraid to say it. Um, and that includes, you know, the leadership, Krejci and Bergeron and Marchand, and right up and down the list. Yeah. Even those that were giving, uh, for lack of a better term, those that were giving politically correct answers, if you read between the, really listen to what they're saying. And how they're saying it. (laughs) It was, and how they're saying it, yes. It was obvious that they were unhappy, but they weren't overstating it. They weren't. I don't think anyone I think they were all professional about it when they were interviewed about this signing. I don't recall any of them being overly judgmental is not the right word, but none of them were were so overstated. I think they were all professional about it, but when you look listen to what they're saying and how they're saying it, yes, none of them were happy from the leadership on down. And that's a tribute to this tight knit group and how they play together and how they and how they go on together. I mean, to look at look at I, that's why I'm that's why I, when I looked at that story by Goss and I'm like, again, not complaining about the way he wrote it. It's good writing, but it's just I think he's limited himself to three player there there are other options on the team the only one you really can't say there are other options is the jack adams award there's only one head coach yes montgomery is a is is a candidate he certainly has to be with the expectations that this team had but unfortunately i think there's going to be a couple of others that depending on how things shake out may take like hackstall in seattle for instance depending on how Seattle shakes out. Uh, Unfortunately, Cassidy is going to get mentioned. Cassidy, yes, that's the other one I was trying to. I I didn't want to, but yeah, he is. Um, And you have to look at Lindy Ruff in New Jersey. And Lindy Ruff, that's the the one I was actually struggling to remember. I'm like, I know there's somebody else. Who was on the list? I didn't write it down. Ah! (laughs) Um, There's... There's just no way you can not look at Lindy Ruff. Um, and I still want to know how, when he learned how to play, how to how to effectively use star quality players. <laughs> because he couldn't do that while he was in Buffalo. And I don't think he did it all that well while he was in Dallas. In Dallas. Um, 
anyone who has the answer to that question, you know how to find us. Um, Absolutely. And Connor Clifton for seventh player award. Vote. <laughs> I, you know me. I like I like Flippy. Um, Although apparently he's not a big fan of the nickname. I, someone tweeted. Someone was talking. Or Ty Anderson um, tweeted that, and someone else responded to him in the locker room and said, "Don't believe a word he says on that one." Yeah. Uh, and I think even I think even Connor Clifton came out and said something about yeah you know well maybe maybe not. he had some response to it that I it I could have gone either way it could have been a sarcastic it could have been a regular but <laughs> I mean this it's is too late now I, I think it's I think it's too late I think one of the responses was too late now it's a thing too <laughs> yeah and this is remember that Cliffy was the guy who when he delivered after in the game where he delivered the check on Lucic said. Yeah, two big bodies going at it, perfectly <laughs> deadpan. And if you didn't find humor in that comment, you need to check your your laugh meter or your ears. Yeah, go go look at the go look at the stats for those two players one more time. And uh, two two big guys two big guys just meeting it. <laughs> okay, Milan Lucic six four two twenty five, Connor Clifton five ten. 180? <laughs> yeah. Generously. Generously. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and that, boys and girls? Oh, he's listed at 511, 190. Mm, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so whose thumb was on the scale that day? <laughs> Did he have his equipment bag in his right hand? Whose thumb was on the scale? That's all I want to know <laughs> because I don't think he. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I I I just I don't know. <laughs> but if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me that yeah he's I don't know. And Cliffy hockey, it's a thing. And by the way, he's set a career high for goals in a season. And I'm sure he'll very, very soon uh, set a career high for points in the season. I think he's tied it or he's one behind, something like that. He's just a couple of points behind. No. He'll get there. By the way, they play tomorrow night. Thankfully, hockey, and then they thankfully have a- hockey is back tomorrow night. I mean, yes, we had the World Juniors to distract us and unfortunately I missed them but the pros will be back tomorrow night and for those of you in the uh, for those of you who really want to buckle down on on New Year's and have nothing uh, can't figure out what to do I'm always willing to suggest that maybe watching the Winter Classic might be a good idea I think that's great I think that'll work (laughs) Um, so thank you all, uh, for listening. We will be back next, uh, we'll be back next week. I don't remember when we're recording because I do know I have a new year's day engagement, but, uh, we'll figure it out. Um, have a great week, safe travels, um, and some good times with your friends and family. Um, 
take your PTO and uh, enjoy yourselves, folks.